Welcome to the Fish Nerds, where we talk about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the podcast. And I'm Liam from Backwoods Graphics. Uh, website is backwoods-graphics.com. Hyphen, because Backwoods married graphics for a second marriage. Okay, here's the rundown. Uh, today on the show, we're going to play Stump the Fish Nerds. I gonna, love Stump the Fish Nerds. Honestly, the news. Oh, you can love the news too, and we're gonna I do a little fish in the news. <laughs> uh, I I hurt my kid Sammy, um, and Sammy wanted to come on the show and explain to everyone uh, why she's never gonna fish with me again. Uh, we headed over to North Country Angler and chatted with them and Hill Country Guides about the perfect flies to use while fishing for trout this fall. Uh, and so that's the whole show. It's a lot of stuff going on. And it is a lot. And before we get going, Liam, you are a friend of mine. You you own uh, Backwoods Graphics, which is uh, you make my, you make decals for the fish nerds. I make all sorts of things, but yes, I also make your decals. Yeah, we're gonna get into those things. And usually, if, if people go to Patreon.com/slash/FishNerds and donate to the show, I mail them Fish Nerds swags. Even even you, you donate, and I mail your own stickers to you. Yeah, it's it was hilarious the first time <laughs> I got them. I, I literally laughed out loud. Yeah, but you know, but I appreciate your your contribution to this show. But uh, and usually every show, I'm like getting on people to make that contribution. But um, there's all kinds of terrible stuff <laughs> happening all around the country right now, and so bad, so bad. And so, like, if if you're tight on money and you were thinking, "Geez, should I donate to the fish nerds or should I help someone who lost their house within a hurricane?" Um, as much as I want your four dollars, give that money to somebody. Who, um, who who needs it more than me. Uh, totally. and, and I'm partnering with a group called Podcasters Unite, hashtag Podcasters Unite, in order to raise money for the American Red Cross for the re- relief efforts of Hurricane Irma. Uh, the hurricane ripped through Florida and left families and pets homeless. Buildings were demolished and no power uh, to millions of people. It's starting to come back, which is nice. Uh, it's time to rebuild and hashtag Podcasters Unite needs your help. Go to blazingcariboustudios.com, click on hashtag Podcasters Unite, and donate. All money goes directly to the American Red Cross and their relief effort. Um, the Fish Nerds, we, we donated uh, money to this cause. So I gave a, a bunch of money, and, and they're, doing a, they're doing a podcasting fundraiser the other day. And I also gave a... Um, a gift package to them to other podcasters. So if another podcaster gave money, I would advertise their show on my show for one month. Uh, and I'm already regretting it, but the, the, <laughs> the podcast, you <laughs> I'm just kidding. The, the podcast you won actually, when they heard fish nerds gift package, they didn't hear what the prize was. They just were excited to have fish nerd stuff. Gift uh, package. Gift package from the fish nerds. Who doesn't want that? So the, the uh, podcaster who won it was, is called Zeng This. Z-E-N-G This. Are you a fan of movies? Or comics? Or video games? Or just anything else nerdy? Well, you should check out the Zeng This, this podcast. podcast. And that's spelled Z-E-N-G this and you can find us every monday and we have nerdy topics from comic book reviews to in-depth analysis of iconic nerdy movies as well as video game discussions mm-hmm. where's some of the best places to find us Allie? well Podbean, of course you can also find us on itunes 
Stitcher, Google Play. Anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Podcasts. Yeah. So check us out. Once again, that is Zing, Zing This. All right. So that was oh, Zing man, This. That was, excellent. that was wonderful. And by the way, uh, I also have to always have to shout out to um, people who support our Patreon campaign, especially uh, LopesTax.com, who donate at the $25 level. If you need taxes done in Massachusetts, go to LopesTax.com and give them your money because they gave them, uh, they gave us theirs. <laughs> so, uh, Liam, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Clay? Good. And I met you through the podcast. You have been listening to the Fish Nerds podcast for quite a long time, right? It's been a little bit since I actually really picked it up, but I've known of you. You and haven't of your heard quest. our most recent shows. I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I'm on the most recent show. You are. That's true. I haven't heard. Of course, I haven't heard it yet. We haven't finished making it. We haven't finished making it yet. And and but you've been around for a long time. And I met you, you in person. Not well. Yes. And <laughs> and, and, and uh, I met you in person last year at a fishing um, expo, right? At the uh, at the New England Fishing the, and Outdoor Expo. I'm glad you got it right because I would have got it wrong. Uh, and Kenny will thank me. Yeah, we like that guy. And yeah, we do. And, and you own Backwoods Graphics. Yes. And, and that's where we get our decals from. But what else do you guys make there? So, I mean, we do all sorts of different things. What I'm really trying to plug is, uh, I mean, I, I affectionately started calling them memory mounts where, like, you can send me a picture, and I'm working on streamlining the process, but you send me a picture of yourself holding a, a gnarly fish or, say, you bagged a really nice uh, turkey with, like, 20 inch spurs you get a good picture of that on your phone you can email it to me and i'll print it to wood or aluminum and um comes with some nice little standoff hardware that you can put on your wall and it even looks nice with traditional taxidermy also it's just a neat way of uh kind of commemorating those those accomplishments that you've done in the outdoors yeah and we'll put some pictures up at fishners.com so you can see exactly what liam is talking about i also should say that liam um I, I am a, if, is it pro staff? Am I a pro staff for you? What am I? I um, I guess you would, you're <laughs> on my staff. I started a staff and you're on it. Yeah. I don't know what it all means. Basically, uh, is, is, uh, I, I basically you promote I'm, me and I hook you up. Yeah. You hook me up. And so, and that's a pro staff, I guess, right? Promotional. Yeah. Promotional staff. Correct. Yeah. And I just signed on today with Trapper Cap Tackle. Oh, did you? I did. Yeah. Nice. I know. And it's funny thing is I still have not held their hooks in my hand. Well, you're going to get a welcome package. Sadly, gonna... you won't be on my team. You're going to be on Adam Susie's team. He's a lucky uh, man. Well, I don't know that person, but uh, I will always call him Liam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll appreciate it. No matter that. what. I'm like, well, thanks, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> Do and, it. And, I'll, and, I'll give you free decals. All right. Now, if, um, if you were to describe what Trapper Tackle is, how would you describe it? So, to me, what Trapper Tackle is—you just is, sighed like the like worst sigh ever in the history of sighs. Christ, this thing again! It's like, oh, you're making me, you're making me think. No, Trapper Tackle is like a key in innovation to fishing. Like, uh, and so I started off as like staffing for them because like I really like their product. And um, you know, honestly, if you don't like the product, you shouldn't be staffing for anyone. So. But I like their products, so I staff for them. And then for some reason, they saw potential in me to be the regional team leader for um, Vermont and Western Massachusetts. Yep, that means nobody but, else wants a job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I know. I'm so uh, negative. 
<laughs> no, I was just yes ending. I mean, no, it's fun. It's fun. It is fun, and it's great because you get to you get to know a bunch of people, and you get to you know you help grow a product that you believe in, and that's what we're trying to do here. And essentially, what is is um, it, it was kind of founded by accident. Like the the shape of the hook, there's that little you know the box at the bottom of it where you would see uh, you know that you see on the round bend, and um, it's got two ninety degree angles in there to make you know the little box. And so what that box was originally meant to do was it was meant to like hold your bait better. So it kind of like locked the bait in. And what they accidentally found out was that when you set the hook on the fish, because of that box down there, it creates a pressure point at the puncture site. And so when the fish is like jumping out of water and shaking and say, no, don't eat me. It's really, um, it keeps it from moving around and it keeps it locked in there so that the puncture site doesn't get bigger and it keeps the hook in there and you can rig it, lock it, land it, catch more fish make right, more casts. I like that. rig it lock it land it now i'm going to try running them barbless yeah. and, and i'm hoping that that little that little square cutout actually reduces the amount of lost fish when fishing barbless i fish with kids a lot and after gonna, hooking sammy i after, imagine well, well yeah. don't give away don't don't give it away yet uh so now i'm starting to move into that like okay how can i prevent my kid from getting hurt and other kids from getting hurt and subsequently and release fish a little bit kinder so yeah. I, I can't wait to experiment with taking the barbs off of them and seeing how that works out. I look forward to your reports because yeah. they, they, they stick in there well. They do. And we'll have to see how it all goes once I try them out. I, I can't wait. Uh, but anyway, so that's, that's uh, what we're doing right now. But, uh, you know, you're co-hosting the show when I'm excited about it. And you've asked it too. a number of times, hey, Clay, can I come on the show? And I'm like, grow up, kid. You know. <laughs> Well, we had a really good thing going on when we did the interview at uh, at the expo, but un- unfortunately, we had some equipment malfunction. We had some wacky stuff happen there. Uh, it, it's it's recording the field is always an experiment, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but here we are, and so but but we're going to talk about this. You have a daughter, right? I do have a daughter, and her name is Irish. Her name is Irish. She's eight yeah. years old. Big and- fan of yours, by the way. Well, I'm a big fan of hers. I sent her a little gift. I hope she liked it. Oh, she loved it. Yeah, I sent her a uh, Fish Nerds Who rag, which is a... Not a buff. Not a buff, only it sure looks like a buff. Uh, (laughs) Let's call it a fub. Let's call it a fub or a bandana or whatever. And I hope she likes it. I haven't seen one picture with it on her yet, though. It's going to happen. We Um, need to get her out fishing. Looking forward to it. And and you and um, you have to forgive me. What is your wife's name? Uh, my fiance's name is Beth. Oh, fiance, excuse me. Not yet. Oh, we're getting there. You're getting there. Your wife's name is Beth. I took you guys fishing, ice fishing last winter. We had you a great did. Time. It was fantastic. Cooked a nice hot meal on the ice, all the things. Mm, Bratwurst. And, and you even caught fish. So that's I did a, catch fish. That's a win. And I'm better at it now, so next year we'll get more fish. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I've improved. No, I, actually, because of that experience with you, I, I now have a bigger interest in wanting to ice fish this year. Yeah, when you're successful, it matters. <laughs> Especially it definitely if you, matters. If you can be comfortable, too, having a heater and all the things is, is nice. So, uh, but, but have you ever hurt Irish when fishing? Um, luckily, I haven't. Well, you will. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Oh, I hope I don't. You will. Uh, and, and fishing, I mean, and people get, when, you, when you do stuff, like if you're skiing, you get hurt. If you're running, you get hurt. If you're playing tag outside you get hurt if you're fishing you're gonna get hurt right 
And as yeah, long hopefully as hopefully I'll be the one that get hurt. Get that's hurt. hopefully you, but kids have to get hurt. Otherwise they're a bunch of wusses. And yeah, how do they learn if they don't? Right. So uh, I was fishing with Sammy last week and we went out fishing and I hooked her with a brand new treble hook. I was casting for smallmouth bass with a brand new spoon. And on the very second cast, I hooked her right in the leg. And so I interviewed her about this. And here is that interview. Sam Groves. Yes. Daughter of Fish Nerd. Yes. Let's set the scene of your accident. Okay. 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 Where were we fishing? I think in the middle of Conway Lake. We were in the middle of Conway Lake and we were on my boat, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And what was my boat like? Very slow. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it... um, it took it um you were fishing and like there's not that much room in it it's like a three person boat mm-hmm. and there's only two chairs and one bench two chairs and one bench and a little tiny motor right mm-hmm. right and so that motor we we, we went out in the, in the middle of conway lake took a long time to get there didn't it yes and it was you and zoe and me mm-hmm. and we tried to find a rope swing and that didn't work out no. so we decided to go fishing and I put on a brand new shiny fishing spoon that Vinny gave me. Mm-hmm. And I cast it in the water. Did I catch any fish? No. What did I catch? Me. Me. I caught you. And where did I hook you? Right in the leg. Right in the leg. And were you surprised? Yes. You're welcome. That was not a compliment. <laughs> I wasn't aiming for your leg, but I hit you perfectly, right? You hit me deep. I hit you deep. All the way in past the barb, right? Mm-hmm. And I tried to pull the hook out. What happened? I wouldn't let you. You wouldn't let me. All right. So then here's where we are. We're in the middle of the lake. It's you and Zoe and me. You got a big giant fish hook in your leg. And you, how do you feel right then? Um, a bit scared. A bit scared. And what else did you tell me? You weren't scared. You didn't use the word scared. I was very angry at you. You were very angry at me because... Because you, um, you caught me. Mm-hmm. And what did you say to me? Do you remember? I wouldn't go fishing with you again. Until when? The weekend. Until a whole week. Yeah, a whole week with no fishing with me. Actually, we haven't fished since. And so how did yeah. we get that hook out? Did you let me pull it out of your leg? No. No. What did we do? So, um, my sister, um, drove us all the way Back to the beach. Mm-hmm. Dad had to hook the the boat up to the back of the truck, and um, and we had to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they um they did little shots. And they did four shots, and um, and I think it would have hurt um. Even less if Dad just pulled it out. I probably would have, but we got it out. We still yeah. have the fishing lure. You're not broken still. Did it hurt yeah. for a long time after? No. No. Okay. So here's, do you know what the first aid for a fish hook in the leg is supposed to be? What? It's supposed to take a paper cup and put it over there and take tape and tape it all over the cups so that the hook can't move and then drive you in and bring it to the hospital. That's the first aid for... Oh. If you're a fisher person, you just pull it out and keep fishing, but that's that's what it is. Do you forgive me? Yes. Okay. Any advice for a kid whose dad hooks me in the leg? What are you going to tell them? If someone says, hey, Sam, my dad is thinking about putting a fish hook in my leg, what do you say to them? Don't let him. Don't let him. All right. Hey, thanks, Sam. What's your favorite fish? Uh, I think 
googly eyes. The googly eyes fish are my favorite too. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. They're funny. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. So uh, if you heard her clearly on that, she said she's not going to fish me for a whole week. I don't blame her. A whole week. <laughs> she actually hasn't. It's been it's been several weeks now. She still hasn't fished with me. Luckily, when I went fishing with you, there was like a good 12 to 18 inches of ice in between the lure and me. <laughs> Very little chance of getting hooked through the ice. We'll see if we can get that accomplished this year. Yeah, we'll practice. Um, <laughs> we'll practice. Uh, do you fly fish at all, Liam? I do fly fish, actually. Beth got me, Beth got me back into fishing, period. But mm-hmm. um, her grandfather is an avid fly fisherman. Um, only chases salmon. He goes up to Pierce Pond Camps up in uh, somewhere up in Maine. It's like four hours away from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, he turned her on to fly fishing. And then obviously I'm I'm obsessed with fishing. So I, I wanted to try it and I uh, picked it up and I have successfully caught a fish on a fly rod. Ray, me too. I've caught several fish, but nothing exciting. But our friends up at North Country Angler Fly Shop, they're really excited for fall. I, I want to say fall fishing, but fall fish is a kind of fish. For fishing in the fall for trout. And so while I was in their shop uh, the other day, I asked them two questions. One, tell me about a fishing accident you've had. And two, give me your top five flies for fishing in the fall. So we have... Um, we have um, my brain just turned off. <laughs> Three. It's late. I know. I'm going to count down again. Three, two. We have uh, Nate from Hill Country Guides talking about his choice of flies for rivers. And we have Steve from North Country Angler talking about his choice flies for fishing in ponds. And I'll have photos of all these flies up at fishnerds.com. Hi, this is Steve Andrews with the North Country Angler, www.northcountryangler.com. And this is Nate Hill with Hill Country Guides, www.whitemountainflyfishing.com. This is W.W. Clay, Chief Executive Fishner. We're hanging out at North Country Angler Fly Shop, wasting time uh, like any good fisherman who's not fishing does. And we're talking fly fishing and we're talking fishing injuries. And so Nate and Steve are going to first start off by telling us one fishing injury story, either with a client or themselves, probably better than themselves, and what they did about it. And then they're going to tell us about some uh, flies for fall, fall. We're not catching fall fish, but well, you might, but for fishing in the fall. So Steve, tell us, a, give us a good fishing injury story. Well, the, uh, my fishing injury story has to do with a new fly caster. And we were out fishing for bass using clouser flies. For those of us who are dumb, what is a clouser fly? A clouser fly is a fly that's tied with a weighted dumbbell head. So just think of dumbbells, but little tiny baby dumbbells. You know, when I used to try to tie ice flies, I'd use those clouser heads because they sink well. Yes, yeah, that's the whole idea of the clouser fly is to get the fly to sink mm-hmm. quickly and with the hook up so it doesn't get caught on anything on the bottom. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, with a brand new caster, it kind of throws your weight off when you're trying to throw that fly, and invariably 
somebody gets hit in the head. And uh, that was me. Oh, good. I mean, you know, it's nice that you got hit and not someone you were teaching, right? Right, right. right. So I'm sure if the guy was teaching had hit himself in the head, that would have ruined his fly fishing career on the spot. However, I was the one that ended up with the egg on the back of my head from getting hit with that weight. You hit with the weight, but not the hooked it in bed? No, no. The hooked it in bed, but I had a goose egg there on the back of my head for about a week. I think you're on the upside of things. You know, I hooked, um, I took my mother-in-law fishing for um, walleye on the Connecticut River, and I hooked her with a giant treble hook. Actually, we weren't walleye, we were pike fishing. And I got her with a giant, giant treble hook, took her to the hospital, and then went back with her walleye fishing, kind of big walleye afterwards. But not, I didn't, it wasn't my fault. Right, right. No, no, I mean... <laughs> it might have been my fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and, that, and him hitting me in the back of the head wasn't really his fault either, but it's just one of those things with a beginner and a weighted fly that you have to uh, be aware of. So, And you got to blame somebody, right? Right, right. right. So what, what we usually do is we blame the wind. Yeah. <laughs> the wind, it's the flux. <laughs> yeah. And that's why, I, you know, I post up pictures of Sam uh, getting a big treble hook in her leg, and then some smart-ass fly fisherman... Always post up, you know, maybe that's why you want to take the trebles off. Hey, Nate, tell me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But it is, I mean, I, I can't really think of many injuries I've had while guiding because uh-huh. we use, do use barbless hooks and uh-huh. they come right out. Smart, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, you know, when you said, you know, I'm going to go with the first thing that popped in my head because um, it popped in my head and... Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really an injury to a human. Um, I had a client one time we were, we were fishing, uh, on one of the local rivers in the area. And if you fish in the area, you know, we have a lot of great blue herons. Um, well, we had, we were fishing near a heron and I noticed my client's cast is his, he was breaking his back cast. It was a very common error in fly fishing. And, I noticed the fly getting closer and closer to the heron, and I kept telling him, you, you know, you're breaking your back cast. You're going to hit the ground or the heron. And finally, he went to pull forward, and we just had, had resistance, and all of a sudden there was a loud squawk, and he had the heron on the line, and it was flying up in the air, and it was taking line, and he, he was all flustered he said what, what do i do and i said well let it run <laughs> and uh, eventually uh you know i just kind of was like all right fine break him off because it was almost up to his backing and heron flew away i came back the next day and was fishing there was no heron all of a sudden i see him fly over the dam and he sees me and he just takes off the other way I never came back he learned so, so he learned from his injury all right, thanks. And there's a good, and I've had herons try to eat my baits, and it's spooky when they start coming in and well, they, stabbing at it. They're not afraid until you hook them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, but they, they forget. They, you know, they're hungry. They're going to come back. Maybe, and eat. maybe he did, but yeah, he, yeah, he, he knew, you know, it was, it was actually probably a week later, the, the, time, the time I was back there, yeah. now that I think of it. And uh, he remembered. <laughs> he remembered. <laughs> all right. So, and now people really, they, they're happy to hear that story about a heron and all that, but they really want to hear about. Some like great flies as we get into the fall fishing season. What are some great flies people should be thinking about using and and a little bit about why those are great or why they're just good? Well, you know, I don't know. When does fall technically start? Like late September? 21st. 21st. Like probably about the time this this podcast drops, it will be fall. In my brain, fall starts in late August. And that's Mm -hmm. because our fall hatches start in late August. Um, And by, by fall hatches, I'm talking about fall. 
um, October caddis and Isonychia mayflies on the Androscoggin and then f- flying ants, which isn't really a hatch as much as a mating ritual that the ants have. And they're delicious um, if you're a fish. Delicious if you're a fish. I don't know how they taste personally. But, uh, so on the Androscoggin River and on um, any big river that's freestone, we get nice sneaky mayfly hatch. And that's a big mayfly. Um, if you know what a mayfly looks like, it's got a big gray slate wing and um, a purplish hued green body, if that doesn't make sense. But... Um, to my naked eye, they look green. To the fish, they look purple. So we use a fly called a purple haze, which is a very big mayfly. I, I, I tie it in a size 12. And we can put pictures of these on fishnerds.com, and people Absolutely. can click through and look at yeah. your, your flies and see what you're talking about to yeah. kind of reference yeah. them. And then there's a um, the nymph that works well for the Isonychia is a zugbug or a pheasant tail. I love the zugbug name. Zugbug, yep. Yeah. Um, an, another bug that's very prolific in the fall is an October caddis. And like its name, it's, a, it's actually an orange caddis. Um, it's also called a pumpkin caddis and suitably comes out in the fall. Yeah, do you like tie like a pumpkin spice pattern? Yeah, or... I, I actually scent it with actual pumpkin. Yeah. You know, actually, um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that pumpkin scent worked a little bit. It wouldn't be a fly then because flies aren't scented. So we have to leave the scent off. But... Been, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> if you leave your fly sitting around long enough. Anyway. You're a purist, uh, aren't you? A really good, absolutely, a, a really good pattern for a pumpkin caddis or October caddis is just an orange stimulator in like a size 12. I was out brook trout fishing last night and they were just clobbering that fly. Um, uh, I I, I kind of tie a few other versions of it as well. Uh, I know I'm going maybe beyond five flies, but I'll I think I think of flies as in bugs. I don't mm-hmm. think of patterns because for every bug there's like 300 patterns, and I'm not going to tell you exactly which one to use because it's so situational. Well, because um, people listening in Wyoming would be on a on a similar bug well, but it's, different. It's more and, has to do with the. The bug has different stages, right? And so if I say, you know, use an orange stimulator, that's going to work when the fish are looking up. But if the fish want the October caddis nymph, they're going to want a bird's nest nymph, which is a, you know, a big, kind of like a hair's ear nymph. It's a bushy nymph that looks a lot like the nymph of a October caddis. They kind of look like shrimp almost. They've got a lot of legs and wisp. They're very wispy. Um, The other fly that I wrote down, um, was a cinnamon flying ant. As I said, the flying ants come off in the fall, um, early autumn. Uh, they're usually probably done by what we consider true fall, but we think of them as a fall bug just because it's a September thing. Yeah, and we're looking at fall, like as yeah, the days so, get shorter, water yeah, temperature starts exactly. dropping a little bit. Exactly, yeah. and, that, and that happened here about three or four weeks ago even. I mean, like third week of August, we started getting our fall temps. So... Um, the the ants um, come off. There's a there's a big female ant that's about a size 16, and that ant is a really good one to mimic. Early in the day, the fish get really hungry for them, and then later in the day, the males come out to mate with the females. There's a ton of them. They're very hard hard to mimic because they're very small, and the fish have millions of flies to f- choose from. So, um, those of us who are really into fishing ants have way too many, seemingly way too many in our box, but they all have a place. But they work. And ants, I find, work um, even people who aren't into fly fishing are using ant patterns uh, this time of year. If I had one fly to fish from uh, July to the end of 
the middle of September would probably be an ant. And I'm surprised you haven't eaten ants because when I was younger, um, I read a book and it said the only way to be cool at a picnic is just to grab ants and start eating them. So I went to a picnic and grabbed ants and started eating live ants and they're actually delicious. So you should next time, pop in your mouth. Well, I actually, when I was a kid, my friends and I had a friend who was really into food and we were fishing and he was like, hey, I, he- I, want- I heard that ants really actually taste very good. I said, well, you try first, and he tried one, and, and he said it tasted really bitter, and he That's didn't good. like it, but I think it was also probably biting his tongue, so that didn't yeah. help. Well, some of this species, you know, they're bitter because they have a little bit of venom or a little poison in them, and some are really delicious. They taste like little berries that kind of pop in your mouth. They're really high in formic acids. So they get a little bite to them, but... Yeah, well, they're good for you. Because fish like them, so yeah. they must taste good. I tell you, that's how the natives learn to eat is watching the fish eat ants. <clears throat> it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> so later in the fall, um, the fish are getting more aggressive. Brown trout are thinking about spawning, and we do really well with big streamers. And a very, very productive streamer in our area, because um, we have a lot of sculpin, is a is called a zoo cougar. Oh. And uh, the yellow zoo cougar is a very good fall pattern, bright color. Um, really gets those brown trout to, to, to attack. Let me ask you something. You went, you went to Electroshock the other day and you saw a lot. Today. Today. Yeah. And you, ah, oh, I should have gone. And you saw a lot of sculpin. Oh, Were they bright yellow like the? They were actually very mottled. They were a, a, a tannish olive, um, but they have yellow bellies. Um, and I think that yellow color is, is something that the fish just key on because they're very camouflaged, right? So um, while they may be very camouflaged, their bellies are yellow. So they see that yellow color and they, they gravitate towards it. And so fish are eating those are eating on the bottom because these, these fish have no air bladders. And they're, they're like little dragons. People haven't seen them. Like they're just like miniature sea robins. They're just a tiny little cool looking little dragonfish. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the, the funny thing with the zoo cougar is it's actually an unweighted fly. So um, we, ha- we actually fish it with very heavy lines. And the whole idea is that that heavy line pulls the fly to the bottom. And then like a sculpin, as you strip it and pull, move the fly – it bounces off the rocks and kind of hovers along the bottom. So, uh, you know, whereas a heavy pattern might just stay on the bottom and, and get stuck more often, the zoo cougar kind of hovers right right on the bottom. And one of the best fly names I've heard yet. Absolutely. Love it. Is that the whole list? Oh, and, and, and then if you want to, you know, if none of those are working, use blooming olives, prince nymphs, uh, <laughs> For stones and caddis, hares ear nymphs, heron flies, or brown brown woolly buggers, or eggs, you know. The, and there's probably 30 other flies I can't think of off the top of my head. Or, and now, do you ever tie a fly or use a fly that looks like nothing just because that's what works? Like, do you have just a like, – Yeah, I, I don't really believe that fish eat flies that look like nothing. Well, but I think they eat flies that we don't think look like bugs because we don't know what bugs look like in the water. I'll good, say that. That's fair. Um, that's so fair. there's a lot of flies that people say, oh, that doesn't look like anything. And it's like, well, to a fish it does. You know, and, um, you know, there's a fly called a royal coachman that doesn't really look to us like any mayfly, but it looks a lot like an isonychia mm-hmm. to a trout on the surface. Because you got to remember, this trout's sitting under the water looking up at a lot of moving water. And that bug doesn't, you know, he's not counting the number of tails on that fly. He's looking at the movement. And can I get that thing before something else gets it, you know, because it's they're aggressive. All right, so those are good for rivers and some, and some of those transit to lakes. But, Steve, you want to talk about some that were flies that you use in the lakes in the fall. Yes. Is that also trout? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I'm a still water guy when it comes to the fall. And uh, it's just interesting that um, along with what Nate was saying, uh, in my favorite flies, yellow plays a very big part. So, um 
when I'm going into the ponds and trying to fish the shallow areas or where the spring holes are, and I know the brook trout are going to be getting ready to spawn, um, my favorite flies are the light Edson tiger. That's the one with the yellow bucktail wing, the um, yellow hornberg. Uh, the hornberg, I know. That was on my exam when I went to guide school. Uh, I forgot what it was, but I but I got the answer right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those flies that, that – uh, imitates a lot of things like Nate was just saying we don't really know why why something looks like what it is that the trout eat but mm-hmm. the yellow hornberg definitely looks like something that the trout want to eat is that one of the flies that you included when I did that article this summer uh, in the vibe is that one of the flies that you mentioned in that as well yes yeah. yes the okay, hornberg so. is a is an imitator of a lot of different um, larval nymphs that are starting to you know go into their done stage so that helps a lot it's a good fly in the summertime but in the uh in the fall i think the yellow hornberg sticks out mostly because of the color i think so and then uh and then you've got the golden demon which is a yellow bodied fly and a mallard wing and a hot orange hackle and that really seems to uh to make the trout uh react when one of those is swimming by them those are, by the way, when I'm if I'm spin casting, those are the same colors I'm using there as well for a lot of my like rooster tails and that sort of thing. Yep, yep. That, those are the colors that get those spawning trout that are being protective of their territory or protective of their mate to uh, to react and and hit the bait. And then my other two in the top five happen to go along that whole um, mating thing and protecting territory. One is the little brook trout bucktail, and of course all the yearling brook trout now are kind of sniffing around you know they're not used to this whole spawning thing and so they come near the reds and you know they end up getting gobbled up by the larger trout uh or an old main fly the parmacini bell sounds like something you put on chicken (laughs) (laughs) and of course that fly comes from parmacini lake Uh which uh is over in western maine and that fly was developed to imitate the fin of a of a um, spawning brook trout. So that bright white on the on the bottom of it, and then and then the and then the red is uh, to offset the the orange on a brook trout when they're spawning gets almost like a reddish tinge to it. Mm-hmm. So and then it has the uh, yellow yellow wool body. So. Um, all of those, all of those flies are still water winners in the, in our lakes and ponds here in the valley. And actually, those flies are winners anywhere you're fishing for trout in the fall. Perfect, perfect. And and uh, now they spawn in the fall, and they spawn right until the ice comes in. I mean, it seems like I catch fish in early, early ice when the ice first skims over, and I pull trout out, and they're in really shallow water. And they are, they drop eggs and they sperm all over the ice. So it, they must spawn right up until. Oh yeah, you know. they will. The fish will spawn until they've laid all their eggs and they've emptied all their milt on the on the reds. And um, you know it'll start around the middle of October. Of course, that's why New Hampshire closes its fishing season in the middle of October. Just when it's going to be really good. <laughs> right, yeah, just when you're really going to be able yeah. to get after the big trout. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and they'll just continue making reds and spawning until they're all spent. Mm-hmm. And um, 
like you said, by then the ice is in and we're on to jigs and sonar and yeah. all of the different Changes kinds of... Changes everything, yeah. We can still use a mop fly. We can still trick yeah, them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Well, thank you so much. And we'll put pictures up of all these at fishnerds.com and links to Hill Country Guide Service. You want to book a trip this fall? Uh, I heard a rumor that Nate was the best fly guide in New Hampshire and he challenges anyone to say different. So there'll be fights. <laughs> and uh, North Country Angler Fly Shop is the, the very best fly shop in North Conway. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, guys. Okay, great. So now we know what to use. Sounds like everything works in the fall. The fish get hungry. They're about to spawn, and they have to eat like crazy. So get out there and try all your big, meaty-looking, feeding fly things. I don't know. I, I'm terrible Some of them do fish. look really tasty. They do. They're like, they're like bugs. There's like this crazy Jason fly that I got from, from Kittery Trading Post, and it legitimately looks like a mayfly on a hook. Uh, it's crazy how good they tie these things. It is. But you, would you use a mayfly in the fall? I don't know anything about fly fishing, so I probably would. I would also. And guess what? I would still catch a fish, but don't tell these guys that. No. No. All right. How about some fish in the news? I love fish in the news. What do you think about our theme song? News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. Everybody loves some fish, fish in, in the, the news. news. All right. From New York Post. Man jumps into ocean to escape police, gets chased by shark instead. Isn't that exciting? Have you seen this story? It is exciting. I, I have seen this story because Hugo tagged me in it and asked me if I had gained weight. Because the guy in the picture, he looks like you plus 50 pounds. Plus 50 pounds is right. And I assured him that he didn't have to worry because I lost all that weight getting chased by that shark. Well, it's, it's one of the best methods for losing weight. If you don't lose weight swimming away, you will lose weight when you have a bite taken out of you. That is a fact. Yeah, a great way to lose 10 to 20 pounds is losing the half of your leg. <laughs> <laughs> a North Carolina man allegedly attempted to elude police Wednesday by diving into the ocean and swimming away. <laughs> but un- he was unknowingly just feet away from a shark while trying the brazen escape. Zach Kingsbury, 20, was pulled over for a traffic stop just before 5 p.m. Now, this is so just, this, just one paragraph is all we need here. He gets pulled over, and he thinks, okay, I was speeding. I'm going to jump in the ocean <laughs> instead of getting a speeding ticket. <laughs> so he just runs and just dives into the water. Well, that's totally the first thing that came across my mind whenever I got pulled over. When I was yeah. Oh, oh, but actually, no. He allegedly tried to escape when officers spotted illegal contraband inside the vehicle. So they look inside and go, is that pot? Nope. Hey, look, a bird. Jump, splash. Don't throw the contraband into the ocean. Throw yourself. Throw yourself. Uh, within an hour, Kingsbury was reportedly 4,000 feet from shore, and the Surf City Police Department launched a drone to track the escape. And that video, which I will put up at fishnerds.com, with this guy swimming away. At that point, the operation became a rescue operation. <laughs> but as the police were trying to save Kingsbury, they noticed a shark swimming near the man and the drone finish the drone. You can see the shark in the drone footage. Um, <laughs> oh, I got to see this. Police were able to nab Kingsbury. Uh, and his is a quote. Um, I would have drowned if 10, 
Actually, excuse me. This is from a witness. I would have drowned after 10 minutes. Dude's an animal, a witness wrote on Facebook post. Uh, that is a very <laughs> quote. Man, that guy sure can't swim. Uh, Kingsbury was charged with resisting arrest, obstructing an officer, possession of drug paraphernalia, <laughs> methamphetamines, and possession of marijuana, and harassment of sharks. So Maybe um, he was high enough to the point where he thought he was Michael Phelps versus great white well if he must have missed the tv show because we know how that turned out poor michael phelps is he alive i can't tell you i don't want to spoilers i know sorry all right from bbc limpet teeth sets new strength record and i like this title because when i was a kid my favorite movie was the incredible mr limpet have you seen this I have not. This is an old 19, I think 60s Don Knox movie, and this shows my age, where he wished he was a fish, and he dove in the ocean and turned into a tuna, and then he stopped wars from happening and all kinds of stuff. As a tuna? Yes. A peaceful tuna. A peacenik tuna. Uh, engineers in the UK have found that limpet's teeth consist of the strongest biological material ever tested. Limpets use a tongue bristling with tiny teeth to scrape food off rocks into their mouths, often swallowing particles of rock in the process. The teeth are made of mineral protein composites, which the researchers tested in tiny fragments in the laboratory. They found it was, a, it was stronger than spider silk, as well as all but the very strongest of man-made materials. Oh, that's a hard sentence to read. It's really that strong. Is. It's a really strong, (laughs) stronger than anything. Yeah. Uh, The thing about limpets is they're tiny. You know, they're like just, they're not big. And I think limpets are not a fish either. I I don't know what they are. are like a kind of uh, snail of some sort. I have to Google it to be 100%. Well, you would need hard teeth to bite onto rocks like that. Yeah. They're like, um, they're like, they're like, um, trying to describe, imagine like one half of a clamshell that sticks to a rock. And they just kind of slide around licking the rock surface. That's the life. That's a good life if you can get it. So anyway, that's that's the new science on limpet teeth. Very, very strong. But what good is it, right? It's knowledge. (laughs) Biology is a great source. uh, Well, biology is a great source of inspiration as an engineer, said the lead studies author. These teeth are made up of very small fibers put together in a particular way, and we should be thinking about making our own structures following the same design. And it's better than Kevlar, they say. Those fibers uh, can really do some if – we, if we take the lesson from them, we can really learn a lot about producing better materials that are stronger. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens with, the, with all this new science. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will – put a link up at fishnerds.com in case anybody else wants to bother doing more reading than me. <laughs> so, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who will find that fascinating. Fascinating. All right. This is, this is one I really like. And um, this is where we find out that people aren't so different than animals. This is from science news daily and from university of Utah. Oh my goodness. Given the choice, zebra fish willingly dose themselves with opioids. So, as the opioid crisis escalates, the science behind addiction remains poorly understood. To address its needs, researchers at the University of Utah Health devised a system that allowed zebrafish, a small tropical fish, to self-administer doses of 
hydrocodone, an opioid commonly prescribed to for pain relief. After one week, the fish had increased their drug-seeking behavior, even when doing so required them to put themselves in risky conditions. Further, 48 hours after the last exposure, conditioned fish showed signs of anxiety, a hallmark of withdrawal. So I, I think what this is showing us is that like when you're, when you're looking at what addiction does to our brains is it's, it's deeper than just like habits. And a lot of people who don't understand addiction would say to the people, you know, why don't you just quit? Stop whenever you, you know, I would just stop doing it. Uh, this is, fish don't have a highly developed brain, right? They're a really simple animal and they can get addicted. So think about like a highly developed people, like people, we get addicted to things. Oh, totally. And this, and this shows that uh, it's, it's a real problem. <laughs> Uh, this, this, this goes on for a long time, talking about the connection between zebrafish and how that information could be used uh, in treating people with addictions or what the connection is. But if you think about it, it's, it makes perfect sense. Now, in the wild, it's interesting that a lot of fish get addicted to medication just because of the way that so many humans are taking medicines, and that gets into the watershed, and fish now, we're finding fish that have high estrogen levels from... Uh, from birth control medication, we're finding that they have all kinds of different human chemicals in their systems because of all the drugs we take. We take a lot of drugs, not just opioids, but all the drugs. Oh, no, all the drugs. There all so the drugs. drugs. There are so many. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing again. I'm skipping the end of it. I just like to do the headlights. And opioids are no fun to talk about anyway. No, it's not. It's depressing. <laughs> it is. Although fish on opioids, I kind of like. I would kind of be curious to see. <laughs> now, I wonder if you took like hydrocodone and put it on a fishing hook. and You it, would like, catch fish. Would you catch fish? Yeah. Now, what the question is, was that shark trying to get opioids from that guy? Oh, it, well, see, if he got chased, if, uh, if that guy got chased by a bunch of zebra fish, we know there's a problem. Definitely. So, yeah, that's... <laughs> They'd be looking to gang up in his pockets. Yeah, take his money, his woman, and his drugs. Taking them all, and his fancy shoes. He had fancy shoes. He did. Well, that's the hallmark of a drug dealer. Totally. At least in the and 80s. And a nice car. Yeah, at least in the 80s when I, was, when, when, I, when I first saw him on TV, they all have Adidas. Adidas, a big hat, and mm -hmm. a Cadillac. They're very fly. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, Oh, that's all the news I have. That's it. That's the whole news. <laughs> <laughs> that is the real. The, the real fish in the news. Uh, now, it's time for a little Stump the Fish Nerds. Ooh, I hope we got a good one this week. Uh, we have a lot of them this week. We had a listener call the actual hotline a couple weeks ago, uh, D. Redden on Twitter, and ask us about some bluegills and things. That message has been forwarded on to Doc Martin who will get back with an answer to us. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, Carl Hayes from Philadelphia says, can I eat trout that has been in my freezer for four months? I would recommend thawing it first. <laughs> I like the troutsicles myself. And uh, Liam, do you freeze fish? Um, believe it or not, I do. Um, I went fishing off the coast of Gloucester this summer on the Whistler, caught some Haddock, and I actually just ate some of it last night. And and was and it was it good? 
Yeah, I fried and made fish tacos. It was delicious. I, I love fish tacos. Oh, they're so good. So good. So good. So many times Beth and I go out for dinner and she gets like steak and chicken fingers and I get fish tacos and they always put the fish tacos in front of her. And I'm like, um, no, that's for me. I, I wonder if any studies have been done on sexist servers. Just, it just reflected in their tip. Oh, did it? No, it didn't. It totally didn't. They were delicious and I, and I, tip them very yeah well. i gave them a female size tip <laughs> <laughs> oh there's a joke in there somewhere there, there is let's, let it, let's leave it there uh we're gonna right, leave so, it there so uh what do you think can carl eat trout that's been in his freezer for four months um i actually would like to ask that question but in regards to a mackerel all right so i can help i can help with this uh i <laughs> the answer is it depends right how how was it stored so if hopefully if, vacuum sealed. If it's vacuum sealed, you could do probably up to a year, right? Hmm. If it's not, I would probably be leery on it. But it, like just because just because it has freezer burn doesn't mean you can't eat it. Like it's not going to hurt you to eat it, but it won't taste as good if it's got freezer burn. So if it's shrink wrapped, uh, yes, go for it. If not, smoke it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, because smoking it will change the flavor and make it uh, edible again. As far as your mackerel goes, uh, as far as I know, you can go for it. But I know that for me, mackerel, when they're fresh, I'm in all day. When they're frozen, I stay away. So Yeah, I, it's kind of just been hanging out in the back of my freezer. I brought it home after going striper fishing, and um, I forgot about it. You know what you could do? You could put it in the blender and freeze it in ice cube trays. And then next time you come ice fishing, we'll go to a lake that has lake trout and we can chum with it. Oh and my God. Really that's, super, that's a fabulous idea. That really super oily fish will bring in some big lakers. Yeah. I don't think Beth would like me using the blender for that purpose. No, use her. Does she have a, like a shake maker, like a magic bullet? Use that instead. Or no, if, she has have, a, if she has a juicer, use the juicer. I have a robo coupe that I could use. That's mine. Mm. Just uh, don't tell her. That's <laughs> <laughs> What's that smell? Nothing. Nothing. Do it outside. Oh, you know what you do? Put it in a paint bucket and use your, your drill and a paint stirrer. I don't have a paint stirrer. Oh, there's no winning with you. No, there's not. I could fin it. I could fin it. Like, I could make something. All right. Make something. Report back. Can't wait to hear what you do with it. Uh, so, and then on the internet, on the North American Native Fishes Association, somebody asked me, do bullheads produce venom? And I immediately said, no way. What do you think? Um, yes, they do. You think they do? All right. Uh, and, and I thought no, because someone had once told me that in New Hampshire, Marge and Mad Toms were the only fish that produced venom, and that a lot of people thought bullheads do but the slime coating on those fish has a very high level of bacteria. When you get pricked with a bullhead sting, it is just bacteria irritating your skin. And that's what I believed for a long time. And so I, I shared that information. And then I Googled it. And the magic of Google had every answer you could imagine. Lots of no's and lots of yeses. I always get mixed reviews from Google. I know. but So I went to... Um, the Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of Michigan. And I found some writing by Jeremy Wright, who's a graduate student. 
And he determined that there are at least 1,250 and possibly more than 1,600 species of venomous catfish in the world, including yellow bullhead, brown bullhead, channel catfish, blue cat, stone cat, slender mad toms, and white catfish. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, and all mad toms, uh, except for the orange fin, um, are, are venomous. So that's what he determined. Uh, I'd love to hear from listeners. I'm not convinced he's right. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just because a scientist says it doesn't mean they're always right. You know, it, No, I mean, the, they can't be right 100% of the time. They can't be. Another one, another scientist from the DNR, I think it was in the Midwest somewhere, um, said you want to really learn, look out for those bullheads because they have a sting and it could hurt for about a week's time. Uh, and it's, he called it poison, not venom. And so when a scientist calls it poison, not venom, I get upset too, because do you know the difference between poison and venom? Um, enlighten me. So poison, if you eat something and it makes you sick, that's poison. If you get stung by something, that's venom. Or bit by mm. something, that's venom, right? So poison, if you, you ingest. bit by something, that's venom. That's venom. So, so like um, a bee sting, venom. Snake bite, right. venom. Venom. Right. Uh, eating an insect that's brightly colored that makes you sick, poison. Poison. So, yeah. What if you eat a snake? Well, that's the interesting thing about venom is it's not poison. If it's, it has to be injected into your bloodstream. And of course, I'm going to get corrected on this, but it's a, <laughs> <laughs> I might not be entirely right there, but it, it's different. It's poison. It, it, it's, it's a different thing. So. And I'm sure someone's going to call in or email me. <laughs> You're a big idiot. So I'll just take I, it and turn it into turn it into content. I always do, man. I never worry about it. Um, but you know what? I think we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find Backwoods Graphics? Uh, you can go to www.backwoods-graphics.com or we also have an Instagram and Facebook page. Um, yeah. Facebook's Backwoods Graphics LLC um, and Instagram is just Backwoods Graphics. And of course, best place to find Backwoods Graphics right now, if you're listening to the show, is fishnerds.com where all the links are going to be. Click on through uh, and you'll find it. And of course, Liam is very involved with the Fish Nerds Facebook group. So if you're not involved with that group already, get in there. There are 650 people in there going, hey, look at the fish I caught. Or Clay, you don't know what venom is. Or Liam, can I buy some stickers? So get in there. Or Liam, you got fat. Yeah, look, you look huge. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, but actually, it's a really great group. It's a, it's a friendly place. Like We do make fun of each other, but we're not mean at all ever to each other. And we love having conversations about all things fish. It's everything from fishing to nerdy stuff like biology and venom and versus uh poison the whole thing it's all there i've got to say your community is one of the greatest that i've come across so far uh, between captain sean donating a boat to me for a program i put together and michael frank for taking me out fishing and michael crooker for showing me some really nice waters and all without having really met me they're um there's a stellar group of people. They are. And, and it's funny you say that because like you, you put up on there, hey, I'm going to South Carolina. Who wants to go fishing? And people go, oh, I'll take you fishing. Yeah. Yeah. It's unreal. It's great. I do it all the time. I travel. I'm like, I'm coming to your town. And people say, okay, cool. Come on. So it's, it's a good, friendly place. Uh, and everyone in there just disagrees on everything, but we're all nice, which is really what you want. Which is also 
hugely beneficial. It's great. Yeah, it's a lot of dissent, but no, no one's mean, so it's really cool. All right, so that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish stories when you definitely should have been fishing. We would love to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and do silly things that names do. Special thanks to the gang over at Podcast Mid-Atlantic, NorthCountryAngler.com, Hill Country Guide Services, my kids, Sammy, sorry I hurt you. And of course, Liam, thank you so much for coming on the show. You can find Liam at Backwoods-Graphics.com. And of course, thanks to Nick Hudson Swagger and Diana's Bath Salts for our our new, it's not new, our, our news theme. <laughs> our new news theme. So until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. Swim against the current every chance you get. You did. You made a podcast. I feel like that was terrible. Uh, well, it might have been. I don't know.